Good evening, I'm David Flint, and this is Save the Nation on ADH-TV. My guest today is a fascinating lady, Dr. Bella Debrera of the Institute of Public Affairs, where she is the director of Western Civilization. She has had a, a very interesting career. She has a doctorate from Cambridge University, and she's written widely in all sorts of fields. And Bella, you might begin perhaps by telling us a little about some of, uh, some of your major written work. Thank you, David. Look, it's, it's wonderful to be on your, on your show this evening. Um, where would you like me to start? Would you like me to start with my, my, earliest, my earliest work, which was actually a children's book, when I I, which I wrote and illustrated when I was 16. Yes. <laughs> um, so I started quite, quite young in the sort of the literary world. Um, and um, after the children's book, I, I did my um, Bachelor of Arts, and then I went to to uh, Cambridge in the end and did a, a, a PhD in an, uh, I wrote a, about the Spanish Inquisition. Um, and that was my first book, which was published by a Dutch printing press, a Dutch uh, academic press called Brepols. Um, so my first foray into, into the world of books, I suppose, was a children's book. And then um, there was a, a little bit of a, um, a, a gap and I, I ventured into the world of uh, Spanish history of the, of the 15th century. Um, and after that I wrote um, three books about the English Reformation and um, since then I've been writing madly for The Spectator Australia, for The, the Australian, for, um, for various newspapers and, um, and on websites. So I've, I've diversified. And one of your latest pieces of work, uh, a commentary, in Spectator related to this peculiar phenomenon of people on boards of directors telling us how to think and how to vote in the coming referendum. And that, I find this in a, a very interesting new development and rather inappropriate. They seem to be going completely beyond their remit. What's your view on this? It's, it's, it's very interesting and it's, it's extremely unwelcome and it's getting very, very annoying. Um, I think it's become very much more exaggerated since since the uh, the referendum hit hit our hit our shores. This this latest referendum, the Voice to Parliament referendum. I mean, it's been lurking in the background for for, for a long time. For example, everyone who flies on Qantas will know that you're subjected to a. Uh, uh, acknowledgement of country when you land, even if it's you know a thirty-minute flight, and um, you know it's 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 getting very very uh, intense, and I think it shows just how much our corporations and the management, every institution, has just bought into this this woke narrative, and they've all been beguiled by this new religion of of woke orthodoxy, um, and they are they are determined to. To, to make sure that everyone goes along with it. It's, um, it's very much what um, Rowan Dean says in, in this week's editorial for The Spectator. He asked the question, what is woke? Um, and woke is, 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 is really the elite um, forcing everyone else to think along certain, certain ways. It's very Orwellian. It's very two plus two equals five. So it's getting to a point where, where we can't go about our daily lives anymore. We can't just catch a bus to... to <laughs> to the airport. We can't go and do our shopping in Big W. You know, we can't buy something at Coles without looking at the receipt and talking and seeing that there's an acknowledgement to country on the receipt. Um, it's, it's becoming all pervasive. And, and, and quite frankly, I actually think it's doing damage to, to, to the voice because people have had enough. People don't want to be preached to and don't want to be politicized about 
about everything when they're going about their daily, daily, daily business. Um, I don't know about you, but but it's getting to a point where I don't want to go out <laughs> and I don't want to take, I don't want to go into a shop just in case, you know, I, I encounter this. And I'm sure many people are thinking this along the same, at the same lines. And it's happening at sporting events. Yes, of And course. it happens at the opera house. If you go to the opera or ballet at the opera house, you're first subjected to one of these virtual welcomes to country, which seems to be inappropriate in such a place. Uh, but what will happen? I, I always felt that Australians were too wise a constitutional people, as Doug McGarthy used to say from the Victorian Court of Appeal. I think Australians are far too wise for this, and I think that I always thought that they would say no to this referendum, and that seems to be possible in relation to the opinion polls. What will all these boards of directors do when they realise how out of touch they have been with the Australian people? That's a very good question, and I am an historian. Unfortunately, I, I can't predict the future. Um, will they go quiet and pretend that they never had anything to do with it? <laughs> or will they wait a while and, 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 and come back um, in, a, in a new sort of iteration and, um, and try to to impose this orthodoxy in, in, on the public in another way. I think, I think it's so embedded, you know, every organization has a reconciliation action plan. Every organization has, has the sustainability sort of ESG. Um, it, they're, they're very embedded in the organizations. You have the diversity and equity, um, uh, you know, hierarchy. You've got the HR departments that are pushing this. So, so, it's, it's, so it's so ingrained, um, even if and when, hopefully, the, the Australian public votes no, it's still going to be there in, the, in these organisations. Um, so who knows, who knows how the management will, will then respond to this? I, I, I suspect that they, they'll go quiet for a bit and then they'll just, they'll just pick it up again and, and um, bludgeon, us to death with it in an, uh, bludgeon us to death in another way. I can remember long ago when John Howard announced that we would decide who comes into this country and on what conditions. That was in relation to people who were kicking in the door. You know, they are coming, claiming to be refugees. They, they invariably went to Indonesia where they were safe. If they were being persecuted, they were then safe. So they lost their refugee status, but they were being brought in by traders who were making a profit on them. And John Howard did announce that we will decide who comes into this country and on what conditions. I remember being attacked by friends in the United Kingdom and other countries where it was said, well, this is a terrible thing. How can you possibly tolerate a government taking that position? And I suspect that uh, once this referendum result comes in, we will be attacked in the, in the spectator, for, not the spectator, in the economist and in other organizations, other organs which uh, take a position on all of these things and we will be denigrated as a country in those circles. Do, do you expect that? Well, I think, I mean, we're already being attacked, aren't we? If you vote, if you, if you say that um, you want to vote no in the referendum, you're immediately a racist, mm -hmm. um, just as you are apparently a sociopath if you don't believe in, in global boiling. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think they, will, they will find, they will look for people to blame and um, it will naturally be the people who have been opposed to, this, to dividing Australia, Australia by race um, from, the very, from the very beginning. Um, and and my, my fear is that while 
well, the Australia might vote no in the referendum, they'll push through with the agenda anyway, um, as we can see on a, on a, on a uh, you know, through the states uh, anyway, they're doing it anyway, as we've seen in Western Australia, um, as we see in Victoria with, with the, the Truth Commission, um, and as we see with in Queensland wanting to do the same thing. So um, I, I fear that while Australia might not give the federal government the mandate to do this, the state governments will go ahead with it anyway. I suspect that you're right. But I would hope that the Australian people react against this as the, no doubt the West Australians have. Yes. The Liberal Party in Western Australia, of course, committed suicide in the last election because they decided that they would be more, more left-wing than the Labour Party in relation to climate. And of course, the West Australians then reacted. And of course, David, this is the fundamental problem with, with the Conservatives, with the Liberal Party, is that they are terrified of the culture wars. Um, they underestimate how important the cu culture is in, in, and fighting to defend our freedoms and fighting to defend Western civilization. They underestimate that. And for some reason, they are still terrified of the culture wars. They, you know, um, they've been terrified to talk about what's happening in education for years. But they had nine years to do something about the rot in the national curriculum. They had nine years to do something about the fact that children are being indoctrinated, and they didn't. And, and while, um, while Peter Dutton has come out recently and said, we need to do something about education, teachers are being turned into activists, children are being indoctrinated, it still does not seem to be forefront of the Liberal Party's mandate. Um, there, are, there are desperate parents, there are desperate grandparents who see that what's going on in schools, um, and the Liberal Party is still reluctant to get involved to, 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 to get involved and get, get into the culture wars. And I, and I think, you know, the, the, just look what's happening in Victoria as well. As you say, they go more left than the left wing, than they go more left than the Labour parties on these, on these issues, especially when it gets to culture, comes to culture. Um, and it's, um, and, and, and unfortunately they, they deserve to lose. But at the same time, Australians are losing because we have no one, we have no one in politics defending our culture. Um, and, um, you know, this is always, obviously we're getting into to the discussion of education here, which is something that I've been looking at for, for a while at the Institute of Public Affairs. And um, it's very distressing to see it, to see the fact that it's down to ADH, it's down to the spectator, it's down to the IPA, it's down to individuals to now fight the culture wars because the Liberal Party is not fighting it for us. Mm. I was uh, once waiting to talk on 2GB. They invited me to speak and I was listening to Kel Richards who's a man who's absolutely marvellous with the language and with words. But uh, he, was, uh, he was being interviewed and uh, he got onto this question of politics and, and in fact, perhaps he, he may well have been the interviewee, I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, he, he was saying that at one stage he was complaining to the office of the Liberal Party Minister of Education. This was in a previous government. Mm -hmm. Not, uh, not the last Liberal Minister of Education, but an earlier one. And he was complaining to the office about what was going on in some field of education. And the, the minister's uh, assistant in relation to the media said, look, Kel, you've got to understand this. We are here in charge of the minister's office. We leave it to the Marxists who are in charge of the Department of Education. Note that. We leave it to the Marxists who were in, communists, who were in charge of the Department of Education. We don't want a stand-up fight 
with the Marxists. We don't want a stand-up fight with the Marxists. So here you had, apparently, a liberal minister quite prepared to leave the Department of Education in the state of New South Wales in the hands of the Marxists. What on earth does that mean? Well, it means you have um, a school system which, which is not interested in teaching children how to read and write, write in terms of literacy, in terms of numeracy, but you have a school system that is interested in creating students who are politically literate, who, um, who are very conscious of uh, the political landscape, but not so much able to read and write. So what we're seeing today with our terrible, terrible um, uh, literacy and numeracy standards across the board, doesn't matter what if it's a Catholic or independent or government school, children can't read and write because they're being, because, because the teachers being trained in the education departments at universities are basically uh, subscribing to a Marxist idea of education, which is political literacy as opposed to real literacy, as you and I understand and, and know it, to be able to read and write properly. That's exactly the result of this, um, this, this the, the Liberal Party's um, fear and of, of the culture wars and uh, leaving the Marxists to run the education departments. We're, we're seeing it now. We're seeing, we're seeing 15-year-olds who have the, 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 the skills of, a, of, of someone in grade three when it comes to grammar. We have people who, who well, literally what is, can't for, spell. For a person of my age, what is grade three? So a nine-year-old. Nine-year-old, Yeah, Good. Yeah, grade three or grade four. I, I might have that a bit wrong, but mm. they, have, they have very low literacy standards. Um, but they have very high um, uh, knowledge of of of, of um, critical race theory and 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 sort of you know these crazy postmodernist theories, yes. even though they don't know what it is. But is, isn't it, isn't it a case, the case in relation to international testing that an extraordinarily high number of boys leave schools in Australia? who are functionally illiterate and innumerate. Is, is that not the case? Um, look, um, it's probably the case. I don't know the exact, I can't tell you the exact study that, that um, off, off the top of my head, but I think, it, I think it's girls and boys that are functionally <laughs> innumerate and illiterate in this country. I don't know if it's, you might be right. I'd, I'd need to know I understand what that, that study is. Yes, I understand that boys react worse to the current system of education than girls. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's not, it's not my field of expertise, unfortunately. My, my recollection, and I'm very old, so naturally I remember a different <laughs> era of schooling, but we were in a class, I was in a class in an ordinary Sydney primary school, nothing special about it, in an area which was in those days referred to as a working class area. And the class would proceed, and when it reached the fourth year, it would then be selected into going to the, the Plum High School, Sydney High, or a nearby high school, or a technical school. So we were divided at some stage later on. But I can remember that every boy in that class, and we were 40 or 50 boys, every boy in that class was literate and numerate. 
And I know this because we all had to perform. We all had to do things on the board. We all had to read things. And every boy in that class, there wasn't one boy who could not read. There wasn't one boy who was not numerate. And these were boys at different levels because they, we were then subsequently divided. And I suspect we were all reasonably informed on history because we had good history. We were taught about the exploration of Australia, we were taught about the governance of Australia, and we had some understanding of history, not as deep as we got in secondary school. But it, it seemed to be, to me, that we were all reasonably educated. I don't think that is the case today, although we have poured a fortune into education. I can still remember those irritating advertisements I don't give a Gonski. Remember those? I don't remember those. I think I wasn't around at that. I don't think I was in Australia at that time. Mm. But I do know that Gonski threw a lot of money, millions of dollars, into the education system, into schools. It's made no difference at all. In fact, the results have gone down. Money is not the problem. The problem really is the fact that teacher training is so poor um, I actually have a research project which I'm about to launch uh, in the next couple of weeks, which I can't talk about too much, but it's looking at what the teachers are learning in, in Australian universities. And, and um, without wanting to give away too much, I can, I, 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 I can tell you that they're not being taught how to teach children how to read and write. That is not the priority in teacher training. This is why Australian children can't spell, can't add up, have no idea where they are geographically, have no idea about history. They, 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 they really don't know very much at all. But they have been politicised. They are politicised in the classroom. From the very moment they get there in primary school, they're taught, about, they're taught about invasion in primary school before they're taught about the First Fleet. So they hear about the concept of invasion in Grade 3, and then they, they hear about the First Fleet in Grade 4 all the way through school, from primary school right up to secondary school, they get the single narrative about Australian history. They never hear an alternative. The only version they hear about Australia, Australian history is that the first fleet constituted an invasion and colonization resulted in dispossession, genocide and massacre. This is all they know. But the, 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 the education bureaucrats and the, the very left left-wing teachers, and we all know that teachers have been a left-wing for a long time, don't want children to know more than this. They, they, they want them to be um, angry, and they want them to hate Australia, and they want them to vote yes in the referendum, and they want to overturn the existing, the existing uh, uh, society that we have. They want them to overturn the values and institutions of Western civilization so, so that, that we can bring about a new system what that system is, is obviously unspecified. I mean, this was the problem with Karl Marx. He wanted to overturn the system, but he never had an alternative, a viable alternative. No one ever does. Um, so, so it's a serious problem. It's a, it's a deeply serious problem that all Australians need to, to be aware of, which is that no child is being properly educated in Australian schools because the teachers aren't being properly educated. Um, because schooling is no longer about education, it's about indoctrination. And this is our fundamental problem in society. I mean, it's the, 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 the 18 to 25-year-olds are the, are the ones who are voting, who the, the, the referendum is most popular 
amongst 18 to 25 year olds, which makes sense if you look at the timing. It's people who've been to school, people who've been being taught through the national curriculum in the last 20 years, they get this version of Australian history. They come out of school thinking uh, that Aboriginal Australians are, are pressed on the, on the basis of their, of their skin colour, that they've never had a voice, that they've never had any rights, and that this is the, the first opportunity they will get to be fully, fully accepted citizens of Australia with fully, you know, with the rights of everyone else, which you and I know to be completely false. But this is what they're being taught in school. Um, and the other uh, result of this, this schooling is that they don't like Australia. They don't think Australia is a country that is worth defending. And we know this, the, the Institute of Public Affairs um, commissioned a poll last year saying, you know, if Australia was invaded, um, would you stay and fight? And 40% of 18 to 25 year olds said that they would prefer, they would flee. They would not stay and fight. A few, uh, few weeks ago, there was an opinion piece in The Australian in which the writer said that Aborigines could not vote at the time of Federation and couldn't vote thereafter. And I sent a letter correcting that because they could in four states and they could in two other states if they own certain property, a hundred pounds worth of property or least a hundred pounds worth of property and Aboriginal women could vote in South Australia. The Australian didn't publish my letter, then another opinion writer wrote a similar thing, so I wrote again and pointed out that they hadn't published it, and they did in fact publish that. Now, this is, the sort of, this is a newspaper which is balanced and favourable, but that slipped through. But education, at least in the English-speaking world, seems to be in a serious decline. And uh, I, I saw in the newspaper yesterday that at a university engineering school, they have decided that, that the deep level of mathematics that you need for engineering is no longer necessary and you can get by with general maths. Whereas I would have thought that engineering was the, the, the very profession in which you needed a deep level of understanding of mathematics if buildings are going to stand up, but they say, oh no, and they're not going to have examinations, they're going to have collective projects. This is a university in Australia. And I was going to ask you about a, a science syllabus in New Zealand, which it's a draft at the moment. It's a draft science syllabus. It has no physics, no chemistry and no bi biology, but it does have critical race theory, it does have climate change, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, biodiversity, got climate change. all that sort of thing. Now, uh, what do you think of this development of, of uh, education in the English-speaking world? Well, I mean, as I say, it's been, it's been completely captured by, by left-wing progressives who who, who have a very different um, idea of what education is to you and I. We still uh, believe that the whole point of going to school university is to be, is to be educated properly in terms of at school, you're taught the skills of, uh, the, the survival skills, reading and writing. How, you know, how do you, how do you apply for a mortgage if you, if you can't read the forms? How do you understand what you're doing if you're, if you, if you, if you have no concept of mathematics? How do you understand how much you're borrowing? So at a basic level, you and I believe that these institutions is, is, exist to, to improve the, the, the chances of the individual to have a successful life. The people who are running the schools and universities 
do not, do not subscribe to this very old-fashioned notion anymore. They exist, they believe that these institutions exist in order to indoctrinate the students into a certain way of thinking. So it does not surprise me that, they, they, that the university of, whichever university is in Australia that has an engineering course with no, no mathematics in it is, is, is not, none of this surprises me anymore because I understand that, that the, the, they, they don't believe these institutions exist for those purposes that we think they exist. They, they, it's all about indoctrination. Um, I, I don't know which university is, it is. Do you, do you remember which, which one it is in Australia? That's, it, it is, is Deakin, it one of the eight? Deakin University, and uh, it's in the Australian, uh, in the educational page of the Australian mm. this week. Yes, well, n none of it surprises me because, because we still, we're still cling clinging to this old-fashioned notion, notion about the purpose of a school and the purpose of university, and that has long since disappeared. There's a going to be a, or there is a draft syllabus in the state of New South Wales in relation to history, which was featured in one of the newspapers the other day, and they said that it would be about the indigenous experience of colonisation and about the, which would include, and as soon as I saw this, I knew which way it would be going, the frontier wars. Now, we do hear this story about frontier wars, but... Uh, this has been challenged as to whether there were, in fact, anything you could call as frontier law wars. And in fact, uh, Keith Winshuttle in his book on this quotes uh, an Aboriginal authority, Gordon Briscoe, an Aboriginal, who says that there were no border, there were no border wars. When you look at the size of the land, the, uh, the time area in which we're talking, and the number of people involved in the disputes which did occur, you could never call that frontier wars. But they're going to apparently put this into a syllabus which is going to be received by all students in New South Wales if it's passed. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be passed. Look, the, the New South Wales um, Education Department is, is, is trailing behind the uh, national curriculum in terms of the, the, the narrative, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the narrative of the, 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 that's, that, is, that is in the national curriculum is that exactly what you're saying, there were frontier wars, there was, there was genocide, there was dispossession, it was an invasion. This is, this is what children have been getting for the last 20 years. So, so the, the New South Wales curriculum is just, is just mirroring what's in the national curriculum. And in fact, it's been in the New South Wales curriculum all this time, they're just putting it in one spot. Um, and it's, it's going to be mandatory for, for these children in year seven to, 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 to study this unit. But interestingly, they're also, they're, they're not only putting sort of all this, this, this propaganda in one place, they're actually getting rid of civics and citizenship, which is very important because it means that there will be no subject in which the Australian child <laughs> learns about why we live in a successful, prosperous liberal democracy they won't even know what it is. They will have no idea about um, Magna Carta. They'll have no idea about the Civil War. They'll have no idea about where our rights come from, where, our, where, our, where anything comes from. They'll just, all they'll know is that there were frontier wars and they won't understand anything that precedes that or anything that, that, that proceeds that. Um, you'll be able to get through school in New South Wales without knowing anything about the, the foundation, that British history, or why Australia came about, or, or the circumstances that led up to it. It's, it's actually quite amazing. So they've made those things optional, 
but what they've made mandatory is this black armband version of history that Jeffrey Blaney's, you know, has 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 been been railing against for years. That Keith Winshuttle tries to tries to tries to demolish in his in his books. Um, they will never get an alternative. They never get. They never get an alternative, as you say. When the the course talks about colonization, the experiences of colonization, you know immediately it's going to be negative experiences of colonization. It's never going to be the positives. Um, and uh, so, so New South Wales is just going along with the the, the woke, um, uh, the woke orthodoxy of that's that's in every every education department in 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 across the states in Australia. And there's no recognition, is there, that the history is very different, even from New Zealand, where there was a war and where there was a treaty. In New South Wales and Australia generally, there was no treaty because there was nobody to make a treaty with. It's not uh, terra nullius, it was just that. The Aboriginal people weren't organised into, although they now refer to them as nations, they weren't organised into entities with which you could negotiate on behalf of a group. But there were no frontier wars. What there was, was a coming in. The Aborigines seemed to receive what the British brought as something of great interest. And one of the things that, and Windshuttle makes this point, was the continuity of food. That beforehand there was no continuity of food, but with the Europeans came this. And uh, he points out that between 1795 and 1805 in the Hawkesbury area, the number of people killed, lamentable as it is, were not that many. That is, over the period, 10 years, there were three settlers killed and 15 Aborigines killed in such confrontation as occurred between them. And uh, that quite often occurred because the settlers didn't think that uh, what they owned could be just taken by Aboriginal people. There was a misunderstanding as to what is property, obviously. But apart from that, there seemed to be a way in which uh, the two groups met together. My mother, who came to Australia around about the First World War, and they, uh, her father wanted to buy a farm, and he did buy a farm. They'd come from the Dutch East Indies from what is now Indonesia, and they settled near Sydney in a farming area, and my mother tells me that there were a large number of Aboriginal children in the school who were treated equally with the white children. It, there was no differentiation. And if you go back and look at the records of the time, we find the extraordinary situation where Aboriginal women in South Australia could, not necessarily did because it wasn't compulsory, they could vote, whereas white women in New South Wales and Victoria couldn't vote. But all of these things are not being brought out in education, are they? They're not because they don't want they don't want children to know them, and they're very inconvenient facts for the the um, the uh, the Aboriginal industry, um, which which survives on on the notion that um, there is a group of people in this country who are still being oppressed as a result of colonisation. Um, because there is so much money in this industry and there are so many jobs that revolve around this idea that the, um, the, the colonization has caused this, um, this discrepancy between um, some Australians and some other Australians. But they will say that it's on the basis of race as opposed to, as opposed to anything else. Um, but you mentioned the, the idea that the, the, the sort of notion that, the, that, that, they, that, that there was 
they couldn't sign a treaty because there was no one to sign a treaty with. It's this sort of one-size-fits-all history. It's not New Zealand. Equally, it's not the United States of America. And what's happening um, in, the, in the history departments, and especially in the universities, is that they've imported this critical race theory holus bolus into, into the Australian context. Um, and, you know, they're trying to, they're, at the moment there's, there's academics who are trying to, to push this idea that there were slaves. Um, they're trying to impose this uh, 1688 sort of, uh, they're trying to impose this, this American um, critical race theory sort of um, um, framework onto Australia, and we have absolutely there is nothing. There is, there are no similarities whatsoever between between the, the experience of African slaves in the U.S. and Aboriginal Australians. But but they've taken on this 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 critical race theory, which is a very recent um, invention, um, and they're trying to impose it on 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 the education department. And actually, they're succeeding because again, reading through the national curriculum there is mention of systemic racism. And as soon as you see systemic racism, you see those words, you know that it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, a, a nod to critical race theory. So um, I don't know why they can't just tell the truth about Australian history it's, and the Aboriginal experience. It's much more interesting for children and much more enlightening for children to hear that there were two there, that there's another side to this story um, and um, they just, they just, they'll just never find out. They, they won't find out until, unless they, they stumble across a book by Keith Winshuttle or um, they read, they read something else. But, they, but as it stands, they're not going to hear any about it. They're not going to hear this in, in school or at university. Apart from your publications at the IPA and Keith Winshuttle, what else would you recommend to people who wanted to know the truth? about the Aboriginal situation. We've got Peter O'Brien, too, who's written that book on No. And uh, there's also uh, Gary Johns. Yes, but, Gary uh, Johns. Well, wh why, don't, why not just start with Geoffrey Blaney's wonderful two-volume history, Australian, um, history of Australia books. The, the, the first volume is, is fascinating. I learned so much about the, 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 the Australian um, pre-settlement history. Um, that I had no idea about. Um, it's a it's a wonderful read, and I, w I would just start there. I mean that that's that's a, a very fair. He's a very fair um, and entertaining and, and interesting historian. So um, that's where that's where I would start. I mean I did enjoy Gary Gary Johns's Johns's book as well, but it's a little bit less. It's a bit um, it's a bit deeper in terms of it goes into. It, 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 it really does cover more of a contemporary sort of argument about the Aboriginal industry, whereas Geoffrey Blaney really gets, gets really brings the history alive. And again, it's, it's, um, it's a very balanced approach. Would you recommend Geoffrey Blaney to children? Oh, yes. I mean, I mean parents should be reading, reading this to their children. Mm. I mean, the children are much more capable than they think of, 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 of absorbing this information. Um, what we need is a children's version of Geoffrey Blaney's book, really, don't we? We need him to yeah. do a, a, a one for five-year-olds. <laughs> Shouldn't he be prescribed in the schools? Oh, he should, but he's, but he's not going to be um, because he's persona non grata. Well, all of this explains why, why the politicians, the very left-wing communist politicians, want to do this in relation to the story of the indigenous people. But how on earth do we explain what, what is happening in relation to 
literature, literary standards, and in relation to learning how to be numerate. Well, you can't have both. So they're prioritizing the former in schools. They're prioritizing woke themes. They're prioritizing sustainability, uh, global citizenship, um, in, uh, um, uh, critical race theory, radical gender, radical gender theory, anything but what children really need to be taught. This is why you can't, you can't have both operating at the same time. One is, going to have, one is going to suffer at the expense of the other. And because the teachers uh, believe that they are agents of change, that they're going into the classroom to, to, to uh, awaken the consciousnesses of, their, of their, their students in a very Marxist way, they're not prioritizing literacy and numeracy. So the reason why, the, it's a very simple explanation, the reason why children can't read and write is because they're not being taught because the teachers are not prioritizing that over everything else. They're prioritizing the woke um, ideology, the, as I said, sustainability, and you know, all these, these, these woke themes. Um, so it's, a very, it's very simple. Um, and this is why we go back to, the, to, the, to the, the, our previous conversation, which is that the Liberal Party had nine years to do something about this. They had nine years to, to take the, the rot out of the national curriculum, strip it back, and just, 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 just make it about educating children. But it's, it's, they didn't do that. Um, and so, so the results are going to continue to fall. But children, there's not going to be an improvement until that happens. I would bet 100 to 1, and I'm not really a terribly betting man, but I would bet that, that if we went to the People's Republic of China, Communist China, that they would be indoctrinated in relation to communist matters. But I suspect that they would be good on teaching numeracy and teaching them how to read and write. Well, you don't even need to go to China. Just look at Singapore. I mean, they, they have they have incredibly high standards. Um, uh, teachers are held in. But Singapore's not a communist. No, state. no, that's right. No, that's not a communist state. Yes. But yes, uh, obviously, China would is. If you just look at TikTok, TikTok, I mean, is is an example of the 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 China the the CCP's understanding of what children need to be exposed to, um, and they are certainly not exposed to the same woke to any woke um, ideology through TikTok, which is what's happening to Western children. So I, yeah, at school, I'm sure their standards are extremely high. We know, we know all of this is the march through the institutions of a, of a form of communism, but it seems to be very different to what happens when the communists take power, as they have in, uh, in China and Vietnam and so on, and they, they, are, they seem to be rigorous, as rigorous as they are in Singapore in relation to numeracy and literacy. They do ram the propaganda down, that's to ensure obedience, but uh, at least they don't do what we seem to be doing, which is, it seems to be a state of madness. De-educating our children, that's what, yes. that's what we're doing. Well, uh, is this increasing uh, lack of uh, understanding in relation to literacy and numeracy, is it underfunding in Australia? No, no. I mean, it's got absolutely nothing to do with the amount of money being thrown at it because yeah, they've increased funding. The, the, as we said earlier, Gonski threw more money at, at, at the education um, at education, and, and at the same time results are plummeting, so it's clearly nothing to do with money. Um, 
it's, it's, it's all about t teacher training and what teachers are being taught to teach children and the content of the national curriculum and the content of the, the state curricula as well. So it's a combination of those things. It's got nothing to do with money. Has it, has it anything to do with stress? Stress of the... Of the students. Students. Uh, they're, they're not learning because they're stressed? Yes. <laughs> That's what I hear. You know, you hear oh, students are so stressed. Yes. Well, I, 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 I think that's probably got nothing to do with it. I think that they, perhaps they'd be able to cope with their stress if they're a little bit more um, focused on, on what they were there to, to do. I don't know. I don't think it's got anything to do with stress. It's, it's, they're just not being taught properly. There's no curiosity in this country. There's no, there's no, that they, they have the, Curiosity sort of knocked out of them in, in, in primary school with the, the, with the way they're taught, which is, a, which is a huge shame. When I went to school, and that's a long time ago, we sat there and we faced the teacher. But I, I look at schools today, at least photographs of schoolrooms, and they seem like a series of living rooms. They've, they've, they did away with this, um, with the, the, the teacher standing at the front of the class and the desks in a row because of this fad of the, the, the child-centered learning. Um, and I've spoken to teachers about how, <laughs> how terrible it is because they can't, they can't hear them. So they, they put all these children around tables on beanbags in a, in a giant hall and the teachers try to say something in the front and only, only the children within earshot can hear what they say. So they're completely disengaged. Um, they're on iPads. Um, there's no discipline. Again, the no discipline is part of this um, uh, democratization of the classroom, which is, you know, the teacher can't, they, you can't have a hierarchy in a classroom. It's this, it's this idea that, that everybody's on a, operating at the same level. Um, so therefore, the teacher can't control the classroom. Um, it's a really terrible combination of, of education fads, um, the, the, the idea that that children are not there to learn, but to be politicised. Um, you know the the uh, the workload that teachers have, the amount of paperwork they have to do as well. The very overcrowded national curriculum, which is infused with the woke ideologies, um, and um, and general sort of malaise. Um, it's a it's 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 not a great combination. Are children today over-disciplined? When we were, when I was at school, the teacher liberally used the cane. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be an exponent of the cane, but I think there needs, to, there obviously needs to be some discipline in the classroom, and uh, and it's not, it's from what I can gather, a lot of uh, uh, teachers don't have that at the moment. Um, so if you don't have discipline, you can't, you can't, can, you can't teach them anything, um, which is, I think, Catherine Burblesing in in London, who runs Michaela School, is. Is, is understands clearly understands and her they don't use the cane, but um, but the children uh, understand that um, that they have to behave in a certain way. And once you have once you have a quiet classroom, you have control over the classroom. Then 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 you can teach whatever you're there to teach. In constitutional terms, the politicians, at least the federal politicians, are elected for the peace, order, and good government. Yes, of Australia. <laughs> And the federal politicians who obviously are doing such a wonderful job in defence and so on, who decided to move into state areas. Education is a state matter. It's not mentioned in the federal constitution. It was obviously intended to be reserved to the states, but the Commonwealth seems to take over. So we've got the state and federal politicians into education. 
Uh, it's not underfunding that has caused this terrible malaise and the fall and this decline in standards. Is it their incompetence, do you think? The government's incompetence or the... The, the incompetence of the politicians, because they're ultimately, they're our servants who are supposed to deliver education to Australia. We're paying, we're paying the top rates across the world and we're getting third-rate education. It's a, it, well, it, it depends on what kind of politician you're talking about. If you're talking about a, a politician who's fully, um, fully involved in this, this progressive agenda, which is to, um, which is to dismantle our existing fabric of society, Western civilization, and wants this to be happening in schools because it's part of the, this, this, this um, perpetual revolution, that's not incompetence. That's just that's deliberately... Um, deliberately de-educating children. So that's a deliberate policy to de-educate the children I, for those who are doing it for political purposes to bring down the system. I think some people. I think that just. I think some people know what they're doing. I think there's 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 useful idiots that 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 think that they're 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 in it for the right reasons. I think there are people who see that there are inequalities in society um, and truly believe, especially at the teacher level, that what they're doing is for the greater good. I truly believe that. I think that's probably most teachers. But I think that there are some people who, are, um, who, who know full well what, what the result is. You, can't, you have to be blind Freddy to not see that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that there's something wrong with the system and that, that there's... I think there are people who, are, who, are, who, who know that what they're doing is... is, is um, is dismantling the fabric of society. I think on the conservative side, as I said earlier, there are politicians who don't fully understand the consequences of leaving the culture wars and education to the Marxists, which is what you said earlier, which is what's happened. So you could call that incompetence, you could call that um, not quite understanding the, the mandate, you could call that cowardice. Um, I don't know, I haven't, I, don't, I, I, I haven't met a lot of these politicians, I don't know what motivates them, but um, it's certainly been allowed to happen, whether that's cowardice or incompetence now is 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 it's too it's 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 not it's 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 irrelevant now because we've got this marxist system so embedded in the schools that that the only way for people really is to either is to homeschool or start their own schools because you can't i i wouldn't trust my I wouldn't send uh, my grandchild or my four-year-old to uh, the local primary school unless I had a very, very in-depth conversation with the, the head, the, the principal, to find out where, where, what, what they believe, because that will then filter down to the, to the teaching staff. So, um, it's 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 a it's a fairly grim prospect for parents who don't want their children to be indoctrinated at school at the moment. I suspect that in communist China a teacher would be bound to teach communist politics, but he or she would be equally bound to teach pre-Marx uh, mathematics mm. yes. and liter literary standing, standards, you know, the, the ability to read and so on. Wouldn't, they wouldn't be allowed to read what they wanted to, but they would certainly know how to read and they certainly know everything about science and mathematics which was necessary for their for whatever job they were going to take in the People's Republic. Do you, do you think that would be the case? I, I assume so. Again, I haven't looked closely at the, what the CCP dictates to teachers to, to teach their students, but they certainly wouldn't be getting... Yes. They wouldn't be getting the, 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 the idea, the, the sort of 
the notion that mathematics is racist, which yes. is which is what um, people who are some of the people on the Aboriginal Advisory Committee for the National Curriculum have been writing. Um, so you know that's a worry. C certainly, if you see if you see photographs or film of schools in communist China, they look like old schools, they look like the teachers, they're in command and the students are learning. And uh, if you look at the back blackboard, they seem to be teaching purely orthodox I'm sure they mathematics are. and I'm science. sure they don't have child-centered learning there or, or, or the conscientization of the, 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 the child. I don't think they'd have any Paolo Freire and sort of insane, um, insane sort of ideas that, that, that the role of the teacher is, is, is political, which is exactly what's going on here. When I first became a, a lecturer, I'd been a, a lawyer for some years, when I first took up lecturing, we were given a special course. It was a concentrated course where you had to learn all these things and the people who taught us, taught us about uh, student-centered education. Trying to get uh, university students to uh, learn everything in advance and come to the class and discuss, and all of them being able to discuss whatever you set in advance was a hopeless wish I normally mm. found. Nobody was prepared to prepare in advance as you were required to learn how to do and doing that in school seems to be completely inappropriate. We seem to be in a very bad situation, don't we? Particularly where the parties, the party we would assume would be looking after these things doesn't seem to be looking after it. Do you think, do you think they will improve or do you think parties will come from the further right who will do this sort of thing? Again, I, I, I can't, I can't um, tell what's going to happen in the future. I would hope that, that the Liberal Party um, under um, Peter Dutton would, will, will eventually, if um, they do get into power, um, will we'll, um, understand how important education is and, and actually uh, do something about it. And Bella, you're certainly doing as much as you can about it, so yes. uh, unfortunately time has caught up. But thank you very much for your contribution. Thank you especially for what you're doing because there are not many people who are doing the sort of things you're doing and it's, it is wonderful to have somebody standing out in reminding us of the glory of Western civilization and the great advances that have been made under Western civilization that have benefited the whole world. Thank you so much. Thank you for all you do. It's an important contribution. So uh, it was good of you to give up your time today. Thank you, Bella. Thank you so much. This is ADH and I'm David Flint and until next time, thank you. <laughs>